John 17 this morning. John 17, and we'll read again verses 24 through 26, where we led, read last Lord's Day. And then this morning we'll pick up that last verse in John chapter 17. But for the Scripture reading, John 17, 24, our Lord Jesus Christ says, Father, I will that they also whom Thou hast given Me be with Me where I am, that they may behold My glory which Thou hast given Me, for Thou lovest Me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known Thee, but, but I have known Thee, and these have known that Thou hast sent Me. And I have declared unto them Thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith Thou hast loved Me may be in them, and I in them. John 17 is a record of the prayer of our Lord Jesus Christ prayed just before He freely and willingly went to Calvary's cross to save His people from their sins. Though He prays for Himself throughout this prayer, this prayer is full of requests for His people. In His prayer, He thanked the Father that He had been given the power to give eternal life to His people. John 17 in verse 2 and verse 3, He says, As Thou hast given Him power over all flesh, that He should give eternal life to as many as Thou hast given Him. And this is eternal life, that they might know Thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom Thou hast sent. I thank You, Father. He thanks the Father that He has been given this right, this authority, this power to bestow eternal life upon those the Father has given Him. Secondly, in this prayer, He prayed for the protection and the preservation of His people. In verse 11, He says, And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to Thee. Holy Father, keep. Protect and preserve. Holy Father, keep through Thine own name those whom Thou hast given Me, that they may be one as we are. Thirdly, in this prayer, He prayed that His people might be continually sanctified, set apart to God in the midst of a world where they live and in the midst of the world where they are hated. He says in John 17, verse 16 and 17, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them. Set them apart to yourself. Sanctify them through Thy truth. Thy Word is truth. Fourthly, in this prayer, He prayed for His people as they serve Him in the spread of the Gospel. He says in verse 18, As Thou hast sent Me into the world, even so I also sent them into the world. I know He was speaking about His apostles in the early part of that prayer. He then changes to addressing those who would believe on Him uh, through their word being preached and those that would be sent from them into the mission fields. He prays for the sent ones. He prays for His churches to send people into the mission field. The fifth thing in this prayer is He not only prayed for His apostles, but for everyone that will believe on Him throughout New Testament history of mankind. Verse 20 Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. And then number six in this prayer, he prayed that all who would believe on him would be with him in heaven. Verse 24, we looked at that two weeks ago. And in verse 24 he says, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that 
they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Last week in John 17 and verse 25, we saw that our Lord prayed to His righteous Father for those He would bring into heaven, bring into heaven because He because we have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as the one sent by the Father who would save us from our sins. In verse 25, He says, O righteous Father, the world hath not known Thee, but I have known Thee, and these, these have known that Thou hast sent Me. Now, we can trace that phrase, Thou hast sent Me, all the way back up to the beginning of this prayer where he prays and says that this is eternal life, that they might know Thee, the true God, and Jesus whom Thou hast sent. Eternal life, everlasting life, is to know God and to know that Jesus was sent to save us from our sins. And so, these have known that Thou hast sent Me, verse 25 says. The true children of God know God as the righteous Father, and they know the Son of God was sent by His Father in order that He might save His people from their sins. They have come to know these things because Jesus Christ has revealed it unto them. Verse 26. The beginning says, as verse 25 ends, And these have known that Thou hast sent Me, and I have declared unto them Thy name. I have declared unto them Thy name, and will declare it, that, or in order that, the love wherewith Thou hast loved Me may be in them, and in addition, I will be in them. We have come to know the living God if we are Christians because it pleased God to reveal Himself to us. I have declared Thy name unto them. Now we have already seen this truth in this prayer. And I want to go back up as I did last week on another subject but go back up this week and look at this truth. Go back up to John 17 and verse 6, 7, and 8. And let us read again what is said here in these verses. Jesus Christ is praying and He says, I have manifested, I have made known Thy name unto the men which Thou gavest Me out of the world. Thine they were, that is, they belonged to You. And then, and Thou gavest them Me. You gave them me, so they were also mine. And they have kept thy word. Now, verse 7 says, They have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. Everything that I have brought in my earthly ministry has been from God. And they have known that. They have seen that. They have learned that. Verse 8, For I have given unto them, the reason they know these things, for I have given unto them the words which Thou gavest Me. And they have received them. You see, it is not enough to be have the Word of God delivered to you. You must receive it. You must believe it. You must take it in as being from God. And they have received them. And have known surely that I came out from Thee, and they have believed that Thou didst send Me. Thou didst send Me. And how many times in these verses is it connected that Jesus revealed the Father to them and through His Word, and because of that they learn that He is the Son of God sent into the world to save sinners from their sins. Verse 14, John 17, verse 14, the same truth. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them. 
because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I have given them something that the world does not have. I have given them something that the world does not understand. They have received the Word of God. They have received it as their own. They have believed it and they understand it. The world doesn't have that. And because of that, the world hates them. Verse 25. O righteous Father, the world hath not known Thee, but I have known Thee, and these have known that Thou hast sent Me. Last week we learned that true salvation is a revelation of the true God. That God Himself reveals to us who He is and what He does in the salvation of sinners. And we saw that already this morning in John 17, verse 2 and 3, where Jesus Christ says, As Thou hast given Him power over all flesh, that He should give eternal life to as many as Thou hast given Him. And that this is eternal life, or life eternal, that they might know Thee, the only true God. And the connection between knowing God and eternal life is brought together in these verses. That when God saves a sinner, they begin the process of knowing God. They had not known Him before that. They could not know Him before that. They were blinded and didn't understand. But when God begins to give the Word of God and they begin to understand, they begin to know the one true and the living God. These have known that Thou hast sent Me. Again, last week we learned that to know the true God, we must be saved. And to be saved, God must reveal that to us. We looked at 1 John 5.20 last week, and I want to bring it up again this week because it confirms the truth that is mentioned here in John chapter 17. In 1 John 5 and verse 20, the Scripture says, And we know that the Son of God has come. What does that say? They know that you sent me. We know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding that we may know Him that is true. Given us an understanding to know the true God. And we are in Him that is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Knowing and understanding God, coming to grips with who God is, and the way that God saves a sinner, this is eternal life. As God saves a sinner from their sin, as He turns them from their sin to embrace His Son, Jesus Christ, they do so knowing that God will save them from their sins and that there is a true God in heaven and that the God in heaven has provided for them a way back to Him. They may not understand everything at first. And that's okay. Because the Spirit of God in them will teach them. And they will be taught of God, every one of them. They may not understand everything, but they know this much. God has sent His Son to save me from my sins. And I need that. And I want that. And I have come to Him. And I have asked Him for that. And He has given me that which He has promised to give to sinners. Everlasting life. Last week we also learned that it is the personal responsibility of all true believers to grow in the knowledge of God and in the knowledge of His way. We come to know more of the true God when we read and study and meditate upon the Word of God. As we learn from the Scriptures, from Peter, as newborn babes, we desire, we hunger and thirst after the Word of God that we may grow thereby. We don't want to remain babes. There are people in this county who if you were to talk to them, said, oh yes, yes, I'm, uh, yes, I'm saved, I'm saved. I mean, I, I, when I was 12, I walked that aisle, I prayed that prayer, I'm saved. You know, once saved, always saved, preacher. Well, where do you go to church? Well, I hadn't been to church in 20 years. Well, where did you go to church? Well, uh, you know, uh, let's see. I think, I think my membership's over at First Baptist. I, you think your membership is that you used to go to church, but you don't anymore. And yet you claim to be a Christian. Where is the hunger and thirst for the Word of God that you may grow thereby? That's Christianity. That's Christianity. That's the real Christianity. 
Not that which is propagated in the pulpits around our country, in this county and around this country of ours. Not that you can be a Christian by praying a certain prayer and live your life the rest of your life the way you want to and never darken the house of God and live and die and go to heaven. I once heard a man say, I've prayed that prayer. I'm a Christian. I could die in the, hand, in the arms of a harlot and still go to heaven. He said that publicly. What a statement. What a statement that contradicts God changing the heart and putting in the heart truth, however small it is in the beginning, however little light there is in the beginning, it is still light from God's Word. And it begins to grow. Because God also puts something else in. That new heart that God gave you, it beats after God. It beats after God. And you may not understand everything as I said. You may not, you may not grasp the fullness of all the doctrines, but there's something inside of you that says, I want to know something about God. I want to know something more. I cannot be content with a prayer I prayed 30 years ago. I cannot be content with that and believe that my eternal destiny is fixed upon that event. And if that's where you're at this morning, you are not a Christian. You need Christ. And when Christ changes your heart, something inside of you goes out after God. And it may not be perfect. And it may be stumbling and falling down every day. But it's rising back up and pursuing again. Because something on the inside says, I need to know more so that I can grow. I need to know more. And so, we come to know something of the living God through God revealing Himself to us. And through God saving us from our sins. That's His purpose in sending His Son. And then when we are saved, something of an appetite is put in us. And we hunger and thirst after righteousness. And those of you that have been mothers and have raised children, you know sometimes that a child has a voracious appetite. And it seems like I can never fill him up. I speak of that in terms of him so that I don't offend you ladies. I can never fill him up. And as he grows up, he must have hollow legs. Where is all that food going? He's hungry because he's growing. And because he's growing, he's hungry and he wants more. And then on the other hand, you have this cute little thing and uh, she barely eats anything. Like a, Not enough to keep what we say. My mother used to say, that's not enough to keep a bird alive. Barely eats anything. But, still eating. Why? Because he's alive. She's alive. And she uses up what she has and she wants more. And next to her brother, she hardly eats anything. And he's just devouring things. But they're both alive. And they're both eating. Now that's in the physical realm. It is true in the spiritual. I warned a, a young man in this county early on who had a voracious appetite for the things of God. I said, be careful that you don't judge others around you by what God is doing in your heart. They may be genuine Christians and not understand what you understand, but they will have a hunger and thirst after the things of God. I have declared unto them thy name and connected to that so that they are inseparably joined together and I will declare it. I will declare it. I have declared and I will declare. I have made known unto them who God is. I have made known unto them what salvation is. I have made known unto them so that they could have a knowledge from the Word of God and to gain more knowledge from the Word of God, I will continue to make known unto them. I have declared past tense and will declare future. 
the continuing work of our Lord Jesus Christ in the life and the heart and the soul of everyone that belongs unto Him. So that not only did He declare something, so that sometime back in the past, in the summer of 1975, I understood something. And God saved me. But over the years since then, coming up to 2022, 2021, we're still 2021, 2021, and still hungering and thirsting and learning. All those years. Brother Pat, don't you understand? I understand some things. But there are still things that I want to know more about. What about you? If you're a Christian, Christ has declared and will declare unto you the truth of His Word. He has already taught this in John 15, verse 15. John 15, in verse 15, He says, All things that I have heard of My Father, I have made known unto you. I have made it known unto you. So the ministry of Christ has been that He would make known to His disciples during His earthly ministry that which they needed to know to follow Him. But not only do we have the promise that the Lord Jesus Christ has revealed the Father to us when He saved us, but we also have His promise that He will continue to declare His Father and His Father's Word to us. We know our God because the Lord who first revealed Him to us continues to reveal Him to us. He did not save you or save me on that day in that hot summer day in 1975 and then say, okay, Pat, you're on your own. Figure it out. If you get here, great. If you don't, he didn't say that. Eternal life is not like that. What He said is, this is what I have done. I've taught you something. And if you would ask me in those days about this, that, or the other doctrine, I would have said, what? <laughs> I don't, I've never even heard of that before in my life. Give me a couple of months and search it out. And I would gain a little knowledge and a little knowledge. Because God continued to teach. This is important, brethren. This is important. We know our God because the Lord who first revealed Him to us continues to reveal Him to us. God is infinite in His nature. And we are finite. And that means that we can only contain so much information. And actually, we can only receive so much at a time. God is, is infinite. He is beyond our comprehension. We actually cannot comprehend He who fills the heavens. And yet, God says to me, this pea brain of yours can only hold this much information at a time and I'm going to give it to you. And you're going to grow in your understanding and I'm going to give you a little bit more. And you're going to grow in understanding and you're going to give you a little bit more and you're going to grow in your understanding. Now, in the physical realm, we understand that. How many of you learned trigonometry in the first grade? Oh, I don't see any hands going up. How come? You didn't even know 2 plus 2 was 4 in the first grade. You didn't even know how to get to 2 plus 2 is 4. But by the time you got to the 12th grade, you were, if you were good at math, or if they thought you were good at math, they started teaching you something called calculus and trigonometry, and you got a little bit of that. Twelve years of teaching you little by little by little by little until you... Now, brethren, if that is not only true in the physical realm, but that is especially true in the spiritual realm. Because we're dealing with an infinite God which we cannot comprehend. We could never come to the depths or the heights or the width or the breadth of this God. And so little by little by little, we grow in our understanding. 
we grow in our knowledge of Him. And it is important. And Christ is setting down the foundation of true Christianity here. We are limited in all things, but especially in our ability to know God. We cannot know Him unless He reveals Himself to us, and we cannot know more of Him unless He reveals Himself to us. And so we pray, Father, show us something of Yourself. Moses is up on the mountain. He sees God in His glory. Many years later, he prays, show me more. Show me your glory. Didn't you see something up on the mount? Didn't you get all you needed up there? Didn't God come to you and speak to you out of the burning bush while you were in the wilderness? Wasn't that enough? No. It wasn't enough. I just got a taste. And I want more. And he seeks after God. And you see this event after event in his life as he seeks the Lord and wanting more. Lord, show me Yourself. Lord, teach me of Yourself. If it were not for our Lord's ministry of continually teaches us, teaching us, we would never come to know the depths of the living God. Never. Never. Only because God has chosen to teach us do we know anything about Him. And brethren, all three persons of the Godhead have engaged themselves to take a child of God and teach them the Word of God and teach them concerning Him. The Father said in John 6, verse 44 and verse 45, No man can come to Me, the Son of God is speaking, except the Father which has sent Me draw him and I will raise him up in the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned, cometh to me. As God teaches them, they hear, they understand, they learn the Word of God, and they come to Christ. They come to Christ. The Son of God, as we have already heard in John 17, 26, I have declared unto them thy name and will declare it. And the Holy Spirit in John 14, verse 26, spoken Christ speaking of the Holy Spirit says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, He shall teach you all things and bring all things to remembrance whatsoever I've said unto you. He will teach you. So who is it that teaches the children of God? The Spirit of God? Yes. The Son of God? Yes. The Father? Yes. The Godhead had engaged themselves in teaching the children of God about God and about His Word. The second statement here that I want to deal with is this. In verse 26, And I have declared unto them, thy name and will declare it. That, in order that, the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them. That's the first, the second thing. The word that is a purpose. Shows the purpose of declaring the Word of God to us. Teaching us the Word of God so that we can know something about God. I'm doing this for a reason. I'm doing this so they can understand something of the love that God has for me, which is the same kind of love I have for them. Biblical knowledge. Biblical understanding of God. And biblical love of God are bound together inseparably. Are you listening? You cannot know God without loving Him. And you cannot love God without knowing Him. Religions can teach people to love their religions and love the God of that religion. But they cannot teach a man to love the true and living God. Many Baptists say they love God. That man that's been out of church for 30 years will tell you he loves God. But he doesn't know Him. He doesn't know Him. In true Christianity, 
You cannot have one without the other. In true Christianity, you cannot have knowledge of God without loving Him. It is easy to gain knowledge of the Scriptures on a, on a, on a surface understanding of things. It is even easy to gain knowledge of God on a surface understanding of things. But you cannot know Him in the heart without loving Him with the heart. And then, true Christianity, those that know God love Him. In true Christianity, those that know God will continue to learn of Him. In true Christianity, those who love God will continue to grow in their love for Him. Paul writes about this in his letter to the Corinthian church. Listen to the Scriptures here. 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 2. Paul says, And though I have the gift of prophecy, some claim to have that gift today. Paul says, And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries, and all knowledge, everything that a man on earth could ever know, And though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I'm nothing. So that a man may labor all the days of his life to come to know things and be nothing in the end. Be nothing in the end. John writes about this in 1 John chapter 4. I want to read verses 6, 7, and 8. 1 John chapter 4, verses 6, 7, and 8. John says in 1 John 4, 6, We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. This is how we know if a man believes the truth or not. If he hears the man of God, if he hears the children of God speak and receives, then he has the spirit of truth in him. If he hears the man of God or the people of God speak and rejects, it is possible that he has a spirit of error and not the spirit of truth in him. Verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And notice the next words. And everyone that loveth Him, everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Everyone that loves God in a way that the Scriptures teach is born of God and knows Him. Knowledge of God and love of God bound together. What does the next verse say? Verse 8. And he that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love. Biblical love and biblical knowledge bound together so that they are inseparable. So that they are inseparable. We cannot love a God whom we do not know. Only when our eyes are open to know and understand the righteous Father, the righteous God, the true God, and to know and understand the loving God, will our hearts go out toward God through His Son so that we begin to love Him. Only as we begin to know Him as a God who loves us. Paul argues with the Jews who know God in judgment because if they break the slightest part of the law of God, they duck under the justice of God and quick have to offer an animal sacrifice. And he says to those Jews in Romans 2, don't you know that it is the goodness of God that leads a man to repentance? Now that doesn't mean that we ought not to preach the judgment of God is coming and the hell is real and that their hell is to be be forsaken and, and heaven is to be gained. It doesn't mean that. It simply means that you will not embrace the judge who will judge you for your sin. You will not... Embrace Him until you see Him as a good Savior. A Savior who is good to sinners in saving them from their sins. 
We cannot love God until we know Him as He's revealed in the Scriptures, until our eyes and our heart are open to see something about Him besides the false ideas we have in our brain and in our mind and in our heart. Only when we see in the true God, the One who loves sinners, will our heart go out to Him to save us from our sins. You will not run and flee from your sin as you see God standing before the opening mouth of hell and hoping you can jump over and quick get to Him. You will not come running to Him that way. You may see hell as your destiny because of sin. You may see it, you may understand it, but to turn to Christ is to turn to the, to turn to the One who has loved sinners, who came to this earth to die in their place who came to this earth because God loved the world and sent His only begotten Son into it. There has to be some connection here. The understanding that there is in God a mercy who will receive me as a sinner. Who at the same time will cast me into hell if I do not repent and believe on His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is in mercy that we approach. It is in the sense that He loves me that I come to Him. And He will not cast me out. He says, All the Father giveth me shall come to me. Him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Come, dear sinner, come. Because He has said He would not cast you out. This knowledge and this love are both given by the Lord Jesus Christ. I have revealed your name to them in order that I might give them understanding of how you loved me. It comes through Christ. They are not something we can pick up by reading a book. Book learning may have its place, but it never brings us to know and love the living God. The preacher must preach the Word of God. He must press upon his hearers the responsibility to repent and believe the Gospel message. He must show his hearers from the Word of God that God is real and that, that He deserves to be known and He deserves to be loved. But the preacher cannot impart that kind of knowledge or that love. I can preach about it. I can tell you about it. I can testify the reality of it. But only God can give it to you. Which is why I say to you all the time, go to the Lord Jesus Christ. He will not cast you out. If you have questions, I am more than glad to answer them. If I have the answer from the Word of God, I will show you what God's Word says. If you have questions or if you have doubts or whatever, I will help you in the Word of God. But only the Lord Jesus Christ can save you from your sins. Go to Him. Go to Him. The love our Lord spoke of is in us. Did you notice that? That the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them. It's in us. It is a love that has been placed in our heart by God Himself. This kind of love cannot be produced by the efforts of a sinner. It cannot be produced by any man-made religion. Any ritual here in a baptismal or pouring water on an infant or any other ritual, it cannot be produced by that. It is God's love freely bestowed upon undeserving sinners who are saved by the grace of God. It's something God gives you. Go to Him for it. You want to be loved of God? You want to know that when you die that you go out of this world loved of God. Go to Him. You will find that He is more than able to save those that come to God through the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Because it can only become known by God 
God must give it to us. It is a love that we have come to know. We didn't understand it fully in the beginning. We don't understand it fully today. I'm not sure we'll understand it fully when we step off the shores of glory. It's something of, of the divine character that we will grasp. Not sure that we could grasp infinite love. But nonetheless, we're going to know more of it and have eternity to bask in it. I hope I'm wrong. I hope the glorified soul can embrace the fullness of infinite love. It is a love that is known. It is a love that we are persuaded of. It is a love that we believe to be true. And it is a love that we enjoy on this side. We've tasted of it. And though it has been up and down and turned to the right and to the left, whatever, when it comes back to the end of the t day and we rest our head on the pillow at, uh, at night, something in the depths of our heart puts us to sleep with the knowledge, God loves me. When I wake in the morning and the sun is bright, God loves me. And the world may be falling around about my ears, but God loves me. And I have just sinned, but God loves me and I need to repent. And He's drawing me to Himself. Because we have come to know the righteous Father and the righteous Son, we are persuaded of God's love and sending Him to us. We are persuaded that God loved us in sending His Son to take our place as our substitute at Calvary. We have become persuaded that He took our place. We are persuaded that the Lord Jesus Christ loved us when He who knew no sin became sin for us. We are persuaded that the Lord Jesus Christ loved us when the wrath of the Almighty fell upon Him at Calvary. That was my judgment that He tasted. It was my judgment that He bore. We are persuaded that He took the judgment of God on our behalf. And because He loved us, He did so. We are persuaded that when our Lord was taken down dead from that cross and buried in that tomb, that three days later He rose because He loved us. To show that our sin has been removed. And sometime later when He ascended up to heaven, to take His place upon His throne in glory. And there as King of kings and Lord of lords, there as our great high priest, He intercedes for us before the throne of grace. And we are persuaded that He loves us because He prays for us. And if I have attained anything in this life as a Christian, it is because He has loved me. And He prays for me. He cares for my soul. The love our Lord speaks of is not only in us, but it is equal to the love the Father has for His only begotten Son. That is incomprehensible. We might be able to doctrinally explain that the love that God the Father has for the Son of God and the love that is bound up in the triune God is perfect and limitless and infinite and grasp it there. But then to bring it to us today and say that that love is the same love that He has for me. Oh, brother, I fail to grasp that. I mean, I can read words and I can understand English, but I fail to grasp the truth of that. The love that sent the only begotten Son of God to the cross is the same love that will never cast us out because justice has been satisfied. This love is limitless. It is boundless. It is immutable, unchanging. Never able to change. It is eternal, and therefore without beginning. 
and without end as God is. He did not start loving me when I believed in Jesus. He has loved me from the foundations of the world, from before the foundations of the world. He did not start loving me when I believed in Jesus. He loved me in sending His Son to die at Calvary's cross. It was me that He bore in His heart. Some 2,000 years later, I came to know Him as my Savior. He did not start loving me then. But that cord of love can be traced all the way back to the eternal Godhead in glory. I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with cords of kindness, I have drawn thee. It is limitless. It is boundless. It is infinite. It is unchanging. That's the love that is in us. And it's something we have a difficulty grasping. When God puts His love in us, it is the kind of love that responds back to God. We love Him. Why? You know the verse, 1 John 4.19. Why? Because He first loved us. Because He initiated that love. Because He put it in us. And in that love that came to us and is in our heart, we respond back. As in all the graces of God, we go back to God with it. And we love Him. And not only that love put in us, but also one last thing, and I close. And that is this, and I in them. I've taught them the name of my God. I've taught them who God is in order that they might know something of the love that He loved me with. Because that's what's in them. But not only is that love in Him, in them, but I'm there too. Not only has the Lord Jesus Christ revealed the righteous Father to us, not only has He ensured that the knowledge of the true God would result in our being loved by Him, but He has ensured that we are His and He is ours. He is in us. Bound to us. And we are bound to Him. Inseparably. These last words in John 17.26 sum up all the purpose of the Lord Jesus Christ coming to earth. What was it? Why did you come? Why did you die? Why were you buried and rose again? So that I could be in you. So I could be in you. Not with you only, but in you. It sums up the purpose of Him going to Calvary. It sums up the purpose of Him bringing us to glory. I in them. Love in them and I in them. Love in the Lord Jesus Christ come together. You have the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? You have love. You cannot have Christ as your Savior without it. God is love. If He has come in, love has come in. Just like where the Lord Jesus Christ is, there is life. If He has come in, life has come in. Just like where the Lord Jesus Christ, there is righteousness. If He has come in, righteousness is there. Just like when the Lord Jesus Christ come in, Glory will be. He who is the glorious God will glorify His people in heaven. It is the holy and just purpose of God that we be united with Him and He be united with us. John 14 and verse 20 says, I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. John 14. I am in my Father. I am in you. And you are in me. We are bound together with God. That's true salvation. Paul puts it this way to his letter to the Colossians. Colossians 1 and verse 27. Christ in you. The hope of glory. What is my hope of heaven? 
that I've been baptized or that I've joined a Baptist church? What is my hope of heaven? That I've walked some aisle or prayed some prayer? What is my hope of heaven? It is Christ in me that is my hope of glory. That I've done my duty, that I've kept the commandments, that I've done this or that. What is my hope? It is Christ in me that is my hope of glory. Loved with everlasting love, the songwriter said. Led by grace, that love to know. Gracious Spirit from above, Thou hast taught us. It is so. Oh, this full and perfect peace, oh, this transport all divine, in a love which cannot cease, immutable. I am His, and He is mine. Verse 4, His forever, only His, who the Lord and me can part. Ah, with what a rest of bliss. Christ can fill the loving heart. Heaven and earth may fade and flee. Firstborn light may in light in gloom decline. But while God and I shall be, I am His and He is mine. Whatever may happen to creation, one thing cannot happen to me. I cannot be taken away from the Lord Jesus Christ. I am His. He is mine. He is in me. Teaching me. Loving me. Is Christ your God? Is Jesus Christ your Savior? Have you come to Him? Come to Him. He will not cast you out. The sins that so plague you in the night seasons can be washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ shed at Calvary. So that nothing remains between you and God for all eternity. But only Jesus Christ can do that. Let's pray together.